Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield and fires. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to this week's Michigan Game Day show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. With us today to recap the season to this point and look ahead to Saturday's Big Ten opener is beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic. First, a few thoughts from my view in Section 17. Jim is back, and we are 3-0. That's really all that is important right now. I would have liked to have seen a more explosive offense, especially in the run game, through the first three weeks, but I think that's coming. The fact of the matter is every team is different. Every season is different. I keep reminding myself the championships aren't won in September, but the groundwork to put you in that position certainly is. So as we get ready for the Big Ten opener on Saturday, my thoughts are the offense is still figuring a few things out, but I am confident we have the talent and the coaching staff to do just that. The defense might be our calling card this year. It sure looks that way up to this point, but big tests are just ahead of us. Buckle up and get ready. I think we're in for quite a ride this fall, and there might even be a few bumps in the road. There always are during a long season, but I'm certain we'll get better as the season progresses. At his Monday presser, Jim said while it was a strange experience, there were positives that developed for him and the program while he was absent. From other coaches stepping up, other staff stepping up, other players stepping up, and just the amount you know, of um, leadership bonds that were, uh, were necessary, were created, you know, all the tremendous positives that, that came from that. Um, I know I've told you this before, but Moses had 70 leaders. How many do we need? Um, a lot, you know, more. And that really created, created an opportunity to do that. From my perspective, you know, I, I went to a place I've never been, uh, which, which wasn't on the sideline, you know, as a player or a coach. And, at a friend's house, Sharon's house, uh, one week, the other week, you know, watching the game at my house last weekend, traveling, you know, watching the game on a computer. Yeah, it did it, it, uh, quite a bit seeing the game in a different way uh, through a different lens. I think it's made me a better coach. He also talked about what it was like watching the game Saturday night on TV. You watch the game and, you know, so many, so many feelings of, hey, just win. 
just win the game as I'm, as I'm, as I'm watching that. Like, by one point, by one point is, is what, uh, what we're really after. And don't know if maybe, you know, watching it from the perspective I had, like maybe there's been too much put on the players of they got to win by 40 points or 30 points or, you know, 25 points. That's a, that's a lot. And, you know, make sure that make sure our team knows that, that that's, that's the goal is to win the game. You know, next is that and you, you pray for this and you hope for this is that you come out of the game with no injuries. Jim praised his defense for their outstanding play in the first three weeks. Yeah, you talk about being happy for the uh, for the other guy's success. Happy for uh, the shining, you know, light that uh, that our defense was in this game, and and it was uh, you know tremendous, tremendous performance. I mean, uh, you know, some of the some of the numbers. I mean, it's got to be the. I think it is the number one scoring defense in the country right now. So not hard to figure out. We've given up 15 points in three games. Three games. That's 5.3 points a game. Um, you, know, you dive into it a little bit deeper, uh, 33 possessions, one touchdown, three field goals. <clears throat> um, that's, some, that's some good division. You go there, it's like .45 per drive. You know, just, just phenomenal. Jim said he is itching to get the Big Ten season started and had good things to say about this week's opponent. Yeah, really good. Um, tremendous respect we have for, uh, for the Scarlet Knights. Coach Ciano, the way they bring it uh, when they play us and and anybody and the way they're playing this year, playing really good defense. Gavin Winstead playing really good football and they're running the ball you know, really effectively. So um, a lot on the plate right now, getting ready for uh, for Rutgers. My guest today agrees the offense has been choppy in the first three weeks, but that's okay. He says the goal is to peak in November when we need to be ready for that stretch run, and he thinks. We have everything we need to be humming on all cylinders by then. Joining us next is beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic. So don't go away. on our Michigan Game Day segment this week is beat writer Austin Meek from The Athletic. Great to have you back with us, Austin. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, Austin, uh, looking back at Saturday night's BG game, you know, kind of made me glad the uh, the opening three games are, are over with. It really was hard to come away from that game with much in the way of positive vibes, wasn't it? Yeah, that definitely wasn't the way Michigan wanted to end its non-conference schedule. It, it was not the kind of tune-up you're looking for going into Big Ten play, a lot of things to fix, a lot of mistakes that Michigan will, will be cleaning up before they play Rutgers. Look, I, I think that this team has demonstrated over the last two seasons uh, what they're capable of, and I, I don't think that uh, one underwhelming game against uh, a team from the MAC is going to change what a lot of people think 
about Michigan and, and what this team is capable of. But at the same time, you'd like to be going into conference play, feeling feeling good about things, feeling like you're hitting on all cylinders. Michigan definitely isn't there yet. Uh, but but I don't I don't necessarily think it's a, a cause for for panic. Just uh, just a reminder that this team still has some work to do. They have some work to do, and uh, our young quarterback JJ McCarthy has some work to do. I mean, all in all, what did you think of his performance on Saturday night? Well, I was really surprised just because he had played so well in those first two games. I, I thought after the first two games, we were really starting to see the J.J. McCarthy that uh, that a lot of us expected, the things we thought he was capable of, you know, the, the quarterback who looked like he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the country and, and potentially a first-round draft pick. And then definitely a, a pretty big step back for him this week. It, it looked to me like he threw one interception early in the game on a play uh, that wasn't, wasn't all his fault. And maybe that, um, maybe that got to him a little bit. It looked like from that point forward, he might have been pressing a little bit, trying to uh, make up for it. You know, go out there and and you know do something uh, to to change the change the game around. And it, it the harder he tried, it looked like uh, sometimes the more the more things went the other way for Michigan. So uh, I, I think that's just one of those games where for JJ McCarthy, you look back at it, figure out what went wrong, identify the mistakes and the corrections, and then just just kind of put that one behind you. It was a rough night. Uh, happens to happens to the best quarterbacks, uh, and I I do expect him to bounce back this week. And as uh, Jim said at his uh, oppressor on Monday, these are all very fixable, very coachable mistakes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think some of the decisions he made when he looks back at that on film, he's going to see pretty clearly what he did wrong. Um, on one of the interceptions, he was pressure he was running full speed to his left uh, a few steps from the sideline I believe he tried to throw the ball away and just left it too close to the sideline and it gets intercepted uh, if he throws that ball two feet to the left uh, it's an incompletion and the offense is still on the field so you know those those are the things that uh, are are pretty simple to fix you know pretty simple adjustments uh, it's just a matter of recognizing some of those plays that uh, that I'm sure he'd like to have back and some of those mistakes that I, I think that we, we won't see him make those mistakes again. No, I agree with that. One of the other things uh, I think a lot of us took note of on Saturday night was uh, that Sharon shuffled that offensive line in the second half, moved Carson Barnhart over to the right tackle spot, inserted Ladarius Henderson at left tackle. Should it be uh, concerning we don't at least that we know of anyway, have a, a set five up front after three games? Well, I think it's pretty clear that they are still still looking for the right combination there. And I think that it, it has seemed to be a little bit challenging for Michigan to figure out exactly what direction they want to go on the offensive line. Because remember, going into the season, the the conversation was, that Michigan was going to rotate the starters at, at tackle and possibly even center in the first two games to really get a good look at at the contenders for those positions. And then that, that isn't what ended up happening. Uh, Carson Barnhart and Miles Hinton won the tackle jobs in camp. Drake Nugent won the center job. And it seemed like you know when, when Michigan started the same five guys in the first three games that they had their lineup. But then the fact that, uh, that they did make that change in the second half I think at least makes you wonder if, if they're not quite sold on on that starting five as as the long term solution. 
So I, I, I think it just tells you that, you know, like the rest of the team, really, this, this offensive line is still sort of a work in progress, and they're going to continue to evaluate things. I, I think uh, the goal is by, uh, by November to have the best team you possibly can have on the field. And I think there's a lot of areas where Michigan isn't quite there yet, including the offensive line. And I expect uh, the competition to continue there throughout the rest of September and, and probably into the middle of the Big Ten schedule. Overall, I thought the running game looked okay to me, but I think it's it was really hard to take much from a game where we only ran, I think it was 44 plays. So there might be concern, but I mean, if you're basing it off what we saw last year, especially at the end of the year, I don't think any anyone should really do that, but I don't think there's any reason to push the panic button with the run game, do you? No, I agree with you. I, I think the running game has gotten better every week. I thought that this last game was, was the most efficient running game we've seen from Michigan so far this season. I thought it was the best that we've seen of Blake Corum so far this season. You know, it, it may be a little bit frustrating for the fans, you know, that it hasn't come together more more quickly. It, it's good that it's trending in the right direction, but uh, you would kind of like to have one of those games that we've seen from Michigan many times when it feels like they could just line up and, and run it every single play and the other team wasn't going to stop them. Um, that's, that's the identity that this, this program has established the last two years. And it hasn't, it hasn't been that way so far this season. Uh, it may, it may take some time for Michigan to get back there. It may, it may not happen. You know, this may be a different, a different type of offense this year than what we've seen in the past. I think it's still too early to say, but I do think it's going in the right direction. I thought what we saw, especially on that opening drive from Blake Corum and from this offense, looked a lot more like what we've seen from Michigan in the past. It tells you that they still have the ability to do that. It's just a matter of being able to do that consistently and and being able to sustain it throughout the the course of the game. I think a part of the problem, I don't well, it's not a problem, but uh, the fan base is looking back at the last two years, and I think they expected on opening day we're going to pick up where we left off uh, in the Ohio State game and just run the ball down people's throats, throw when we want to. But I think really because of that success, they're being just a little too hard on this offense right now. Yeah, I, I think that the reality of, of this season was, if you look at the schedule, it was a real challenge to make sure this team doesn't doesn't peak too early. Uh, and I know that um, you know, everybody would love for for this team to play just lights out for 15 straight games, uh, you know, and, and never, never have a, uh, you know, a, a game where it doesn't click or, you know, not have to sort of work through a slow start or anything like that. But, you know, the, the reality of this season, when you looked at the schedule was this was going to be a season where it was going to be a, a build up toward, toward November. Um, the toughest games are, are backloaded at the end of the season. There really wasn't, wasn't any compelling reason that this team needed to play its best in September other than the fact that you know you'd like to play your best every game I'm sure that you know nobody in in Schembechler Hall is saying hey guys let's you know let's start slow don't don't push it too hard in September right nobody's saying that right but players are human (laughs) they they look at the schedule like the rest of us do Um, and it's only natural that there would be a build-up in this season and perhaps a you know a period of time where this team is still sort of ramping up to the intensity that that we know we're going to see uh, when when Penn State and Ohio State show up on the schedule. And so I think they're in that process right now. Uh, I think that we will continue to see this team get a little better every week. 
Uh, and I think by the end of the season, this is going to be the Michigan team that we all thought it could be. Uh, but but it's not that team right now. And there's clearly a lot of things that they that they need to work on. And I expect that over the next few weeks, as they get into conference play, we're going to see uh, we're going to see the team start to look a little bit more like the Michigan team that we all we all thought it could be. Let's flip it over uh, to the defensive side of the ball. And you know, I honestly can't find much to be concerned about there through the first three. I know the secondary gave up a few long balls uh, on Saturday, but you know, when we have the starters back out there. That will make a huge difference on that back end, won't it? Yeah, I think in terms of of anything that you could possibly be concerned about on defense, I, I agree that it's a very short list. And probably the only thing I could say is it, it is a little bit concerning that we haven't yet seen that secondary at full strength. We've seen some guys get back out on the field in, in bits and pieces. Uh, but we haven't yet seen that secondary as a full unit with the guys that you would expect to be Michigan's best best players in the secondary. We we saw just a few snaps from Will Johnson, but clearly he's not 100% yet. Uh, we've seen Makari Page get, I think, pretty close to being 100%. We still haven't seen Rod Moore, who obviously is a huge part of this team and this, this defense. So hopefully within the next couple weeks, we will see that secondary uh, as, as a full unit with with the starters on the field together and they can start that process of of getting up to full speed but i think the encouraging part is that even without the starters on the field for a lot of a lot of these first three games the guys who've been out there have have done really well um keon sab Keyshawn harris uh josh wallace you know those, those guys have i think really acquitted themselves well in the snaps they've had quentin johnson uh and ultimately i think that's a good thing for this team because when you get into November um, and the postseason, you're going to need more than just your starters. You are going to need some depth. And I think that the chance for these guys early in the season to play and get some meaningful experience is only going to help this team down the road when the starters are, are healthy. Well, as far as the front seven goes, uh, the depth, the speed, and the talent on display has probably been even better than we expected it before the season, Austin. Yeah, I think the, the defensive line has lived up to everything that we thought it could be. Chris Jenkins, uh, Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham. We knew those guys were special, and, and they have showed that through the first three games. Uh, I think the linebacking core uh, is what we thought it was. You know, Junior Colson and Michael Barrett, two really dependable Experienced players, and then adding Ernest Hausman into that group, I think has just uh, has just raised the ceiling even more. You know, I, I think after kind of a slow start, we've seen the edge edge group start to look like what what we thought it could be. Jalen Harrell has played really well the last two weeks and has been disruptive, getting to the quarterback, forcing turnovers. Um, that that's a really good sign. So. I think, you know, the pass rush is still maybe a little bit of a work in progress and still some guys that I think will will get better as the season goes along. But overall, the front seven, I think, has, has lived up to everything that we, we thought it could be and uh, continues to show that the ceiling is really, really high for this defense. Well, we uh, have uh, gone through our variety packers, uh, as I like to call it, of head coaches the first three weeks, and we survived just fine. And Jim's back on the sidelines this week, and we could tell from his presser yesterday he's amped up about that. 
Some are going to say his being back shouldn't matter. It's the player's game. But you know, I disagree with that. Having your leader back is really big, isn't it? I think it is. I, I think that, you know, it's impossible for me to think that his absence didn't impact the team in some way. Yeah. Even if it was a, a small impact, I, I think, you know, it's just human nature uh, for, for a college football team to be a little bit thrown off by not having its head coach on the sideline on game day. And I, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a cool thing that Jim Harbaugh did by giving four members of his staff the opportunity to, to be head coaches. Yeah. I think that that was, you know, that was great for those coaches. And I think that, you know, they all handled it as well as anybody really could expect. But at the same time, I think that having, having four different head coaches in three games, is going to naturally just make it a little bit tricky for a team to, to get in its rhythm. And I, I think that having Jim Harbaugh back this week, it's just everybody's going to feel, I think, a little bit more comfortable. It's going to feel a little bit more like like normal to have him back on the sideline. Uh, I, I think that this team needs that. I think that his his return could be the spark that this team needs to, to elevate itself to, to another level. So I, I think, you know, you you certainly tip your cap to the four guys who uh, who handled the head coaching duties while he was gone. And um, they all, you know, they, they accomplished exactly what, what they set out to do, which was to get this team 3-0 when Jim Harbaugh comes back. And now you can say, okay, we're done with the non-conference schedule. Uh, it, it, it wasn't all as smooth as you would like, but they accomplished the goal. And now they can get back to work with Jim Harbaugh on the sideline and uh, can be, can be Jim Harbaugh's, Jim Harbaugh's program again. And he is back just in time for the big 10 season uh, opening with Rutgers on Saturday. And I got to watch the Scarlet Knights against Virginia tech on Saturday. And I have to say, I was impressed uh, with how physical and we know this is going to be a well-coached team offensively. They're run first. I think it's 66% of, uh, of their plays this year have been run with a very mobile quarterback and Gavin Wimsatt. This will be a really good test for the Michigan defense, won't it, Austin? Yeah, I, I think that uh, we've seen from this Rutgers team, even even in years when they didn't have a great record, they have challenged Michigan in some ways. I mean, Michigan's last three games against Rutgers, um, there were parts of all three games that really challenged Michigan. The Big Ten opener a couple of years ago uh, against the you know Rutgers team that didn't end up having a great season, but, but they really, they really challenged Michigan in the big 10 opener a couple of years ago, last year on the road, you know, the score ended up being kind of lopsided. Michigan forced some turnovers in the second half, but for half of that game, Rutgers was very competitive. So I, I expect this to be another competitive Rutgers team. I think it's the best Rutgers team Michigan has, has faced since Greg Schiano has been back there defensively, always solid and offensively. I, I do think that, this Rutgers team can do some things that maybe maybe we haven't seen from Rutgers in the past. Um, Kirk Sharaka, guy that is well known around around the Big Ten, it seems like the quarterback position has solidified a little bit for Rutgers. So, yeah, I, I think that this is an all around solid Rutgers team. I won't be surprised if they're in a bowl game this year, and I think Michigan needs to be be ready to play a four quarter game 
really for for the first time this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, defensively, uh, Greg Schiano always puts together a physical, tough defense. Uh, that's what he's done in both tenures at Rutgers, and again, this year is no exception. And they sure look like the first team, though Michigan has played that they really have the personnel to uh, try and take away the running game. But they have two NFL level corners. They have a a, a a safety, a transfer from uh, Minnesota, they don't have to be tricky. They can pretty much be the, the first defense, maybe one of the few on Michigan's schedule that can play them straight up. Yeah, and, and we've we've seen that Rutgers can do that. I, I go back to that game in, in 2021 against a, a Michigan offense that it really moved the ball um, against almost every every team that they faced in the Big Ten. But had some had some trouble with Rutgers. I think Greg Schiano is one of the best defensive coaches in in the Big Ten. Always seems to have a plan for Michigan that that makes Michigan work a little bit. Uh, and I do ex- expect this to be a game where where it, it's not going to come easy for Michigan. I, I think that this is a game where you know some of the things that we've heard about Michigan being more balanced. Um, we're gonna we're gonna see that put to the test this week. Uh, because like you mentioned, I, Rutgers is, a, I think, a pretty balanced team defensively and not, not a team that's going to give up anything easy on the ground or, or through the air. And I think it's going to be paramount for Michigan that, that they are able to be balanced because there's going to be times that they're going to have to count on J.J. McCarthy to throw it. going to be times when they're going to have to count on Blake Corum and, and Donovan Edwards to move the ball on the ground. And I think overall, it's just going to be a really good test for this Michigan offense. Absolutely. It'll be uh, after these first three games, uh, one that they will have to focus on, and it's going to be fun to see. Final question before we let you get away, Austin. I don't know how much uh, Big Ten football you've been able to see in the uh, the first three weeks, uh, you know, with covering Michigan, but other than maybe Penn State, and I'm not so sure about them yet either, we haven't seen much so far that's been eye-popping, have we? No, we really haven't. We're going to learn a lot about Ohio State this week against Notre Dame. I think that similar to Michigan in some ways, Ohio State hasn't been at its best early in the season, but also hasn't needed to be at its best. We're going to learn a lot about about Kyle McCord and, and their quarterback situation this week. Penn State, I, I think, has has been probably as good as any team in the Big Ten. Drew Aller, I think, has been so far the, the player that – that we thought he was going to be five-star quarterback with, with the ability to really elevate Penn state to another level. So I, I think clearly there's three teams at the top right now in the big 10. We'll see if, if all three of them at the end of the season are, are playoff caliber teams, but it, it seems like that could be the case. And then, you know, the rest of the big 10, it's, it's definitely a little bit hit and miss, you know, there, there have been some, uh, some teams that have showed some, some encouraging signs, you know, Iowa has, has done some good things, also had some some times when they struggled. Michigan State obviously is, you know, a pretty, pretty uh, dire situation for them. So top to bottom, you know, the Big Ten, is, is, they've had some, um, definitely had, had some struggles so far this year. Uh, but I think that those three teams at the top still look like the, the cream of the crop. And I think that those three teams at the end of the year are, are going to be right there in terms of, of the playoff hunt. Starting Saturday, we're going to find out a lot more about a lot of teams in the Big Ten, and I look forward to it. Here with us today to uh, take a look uh, back at BG and uh, ahead to our Big Ten opener on Saturday with Rutgers has been Austin Meek from The Athletic. Always a pleasure having you on the show, Austin, and we thank you for your time.
Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Quick hits today, Jim had nothing to say about injuries at his Monday presser, so hopefully later this week we'll get some updates from the staff. Here are a few game day notes of interest. Michigan leads this series with eight wins against one loss. The first meeting was a game most of us won't forget. October 4th, 2014 at their place, a 26-24 Rutgers win. The fans stormed the field, tore down the goalposts, and celebrated like they'd won a Big Ten championship. Last year, Michigan blew the game open in the third quarter with a lot of help from Rutgers as they went into self-destruct mode. The game was played on November 5th in Piscataway, a 52-17 Michigan win. Greg Schiano is 15-22 and 22 in four years of his second tour of duty at Rutgers. His overall record in 15 years as a head coach, all at Rutgers, is 83-89. and 89. Last year, they shot out to a 3-0 record, then went 1-8 the rest of the way. They returned 14 starters, 6 on offense, and 8 on defense. Their last bowl appearance was in the 2021 Gator Bowl. They lost to Wake Forest 38-10. As of today, the weatherman is calling for a beautiful game day Saturday. Sunny, with temps reaching the upper 70s, light winds, very small chance of rain. Human nature being what it is, we know the first three games on our schedule didn't have the players' full attention. Now, that's not saying they didn't bring everything they had, but they knew they were better than those teams and that we didn't need our A game to beat them. That changes this week. Rutgers is a solid football team on both sides of the ball. They love the run game on offense, and the D is balanced, physical, and solid at every position. Rutgers has started out 3-0 before, like last year, then wilted. There is a different 3-0 vibe about this team, though. How different? We'll find out on Saturday. Next week, we leave the friendly confines of the big house for the first of two road games. On Tuesday's Visitor's Edition, our scheduled guest is the radio play-by-play voice of Nebraska football, Greg Sharp. On Thursday's Michigan Game Day show, we'll be joined by beat writer Aaron McMahon from MLive. So whether you're in the big house on Saturday, watching on TV at home, or listening on the radio, enjoy this Big Ten opener and our first real test of the season. That does it for now. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Think victory, beat Rutgers. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again... Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network.
and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!